This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Our guest today is Don Dougal, an award-winning storyteller and writer who travels the country teaching businesses and nonprofit organizations how to tell and share stories. And she's here today to share her new story, The Bravo Way, Building a Southern Restaurant Dynasty with Us. We'll speak with Dawn and find out why she wanted to tell the story of Jeff Good and Dan Blumenthal and their business. Plus, we'll talk about the latest headlines in the weekly roundup. And to be part of the show, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or you can email me at marshall at mpb online.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be right back after the news. Your old car is kind of like that hairstyle you had in high school. Really cool back in the day. But that old car is still cool when you donate it to MPB Think Radio. Go to mpbonline.org for details. Then sit back and enjoy the ride. Now that's cool. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. All right, welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Happy Monday. Hope you're having a good day today. We have got a great show ahead of us. Thank you for joining us. Always love to have you in the audience. And, of course, if you want to give us a call, and he's numb during the show, 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. We have a great guest today, somebody I've actually gotten a chance to work with and, and know pretty well and very happy to have her on the show, Don Dougals, an award-winning storyteller and writer who travels the country teaching businesses and nonprofit organizations well, basically how to tell the stories. And you know what, folks? We are storytellers. That's what we do. So we will... Um, We'll get Dawn on in just a second. She's kind of sitting here warming up. She's doing some vocal things and so forth. Michelle's in there working hard, I can see, pushing the buttons. Hello. Hi hello. there. Happy, happy Monday. Monday. I know it. See, you know, people always look at me kind of funny when I say happy Monday, but I'm not going to waste one-seventh of my life being mad about Mondays. Oh, no. You can't. It's just another day. It's just another day. It's the day. beginning of the day. It's just hard day. to get up, though. Good grief. Well, you know, Rough I don't weekend. know. Well, Rough mine... My weekend was hot. <laughs> yes, it was. But believe it or not, I start my internship today. You do. That's what I hear. So Monday, this Monday is different for me. I have to give a certain entity 700 of free hours Yay. of my life. Welcome to the world of multiple jobs. <laughs> Actually, you do have multiple well, jobs. Exa- so right. So this anyway. is my third you job. Another. You <laughs> add that to it. Now I'm doing three jobs. One is free. Yes. Oh. <laughs> But and just think about how lucrative it's going to be as soon as you get past that seven hundred. Exactly, you're just going to be rolling. As soon around as I get that master's degree, those you know, just going to, those jobs are going to be rolling. Oh, in, right? I'm just going to see you driving by in that Lexus or whatever fancy car you're driving, and you're going to roll down the window a little bit and go. I know you from somewhere. Oh, that's yeah. funny. That's mm-hmm. that's exactly how it works, though. You know, yeah. and not to put down the um, edu- higher educational system, but it doesn't work like that. Well, I can tell you from personal experience in my little class that I'm or two classes that I'm taking. That one thing it does do is it does manage to get rid of any free time you might. Have. Oh yes, yes. For three years, I started this program in 2015, knowing that good and well that I needed 700 hours. So last semester, I pushed back my intern. Mm-hmm. Just one semester, and I moved it to this semester. So, I mean, that was me. I, I, you know, I'm glad I did that. It gives me more time to uh, organize because right. I do have a 14 year old teenager who plays basketball. So, yeah. you have to organize every part of my. I have to organize every part well, of my life. That's what I've told everybody about mine. Is like everything I'm learning in the class is great, but I have learned more about micro time management <laughs> in the last I don't know four or five weeks now since this thing started. Yes. and of course it is. At, mine is at the University of Alabama, which meant I guess I should have been happy about the weekend, but I wasn't. Oh, number one. Well, I mean, I went to Tennessee. 
number one. Mm-hmm. So it's being a Tennessee and Alabama student at the same time is really gives you a brain freeze. That's just not a good combination. <laughs> and then of course you want I wanted to see Ole Miss do better, but it was it was. I tough. mean, I asked people, did you think they were going to win? No, I mean, I don't some think people say, people... well, you had a little a slight chance. You know, five years ago. <laughs> well, everybody, there's always a chance. It That's is. why they play the game. Exactly. Exactly. But it was. Like when JSU plays uh, USM. We had 11 seconds. We had 11 seconds. They'd scored. They did great. And then it just kind of like the rest of the game was like, ow. But they are killing it this year. Alabama is. Oh, my. Well, yeah, when your second string, you know, quarterback has won a national championship, that's, yeah, that tends to, it's like good grief. So, yeah, it's tough. It it was, but I was up in Sotelo. I got to enjoy the beautiful um, suburb of Tupelo up there. And I guess that's what it's called technically. But they had a cross-country meet up there. And, of course, my son runs. So it was fun, and I wanted to thank everybody at Saltello High School for putting on such a wonderful meet. It really was a great day, um, a great course, really tough course, real hilly, and it was hot. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Hello. We're, okay, we're coming up on fall. Here. Yeah, right. I want some serious fall. It I want, felt like midsummer July. It, did. it actually felt hotter this weekend than it has most of the it, summer. It did, and yes. I felt like washing my car yesterday. I don't know why. Yeah. I was drenched. I mean, literally I sweat dripping off, and I thought it was raining on me. And it was my, it was my hair. Well, that's a powerful, powerful image there. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> But yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, we we're sitting. I don't know how those kids ran it, but they did. There were yeah. like th- 334 kids wow. running in, in his race, and I mean, there was just a ton of kids, and they were fast. They like did their first mile. At a, my son did like a 5:15 pace for the first mile, which is smoking hot. I mean, just flying. I think he ended up doing a, like a 17.59 for a 5K, which is pretty good. I, knew, I couldn't do that in a car, so um, <laughs> so I'm proud of him. He did great, but it was it was fun. And I tell you what happened. So we get done. The team, he's going to ride back on the bus with the team. They're going to go have pizza, right? So they brought in pizza to eat. So so Amy and I are thinking, well, we'll go to this local restaurant and go get a quick bite to eat. And, of course, by the time we're served and eat, the bus will be going, and we can probably catch the bus, no problem. I'm looking at my phone because I have the, you know, the little tracker thing because I am that kind of parent. <laughs> and, and I'm looking, and suddenly my son's south of Tupelo. And we're still sitting there waiting on our food. I'm like, rut row. Because I just had visions of him sitting there on the curb, you know, with crickets and him by himself. Right. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm do here. So we, we kind of flagged down the waitress and server and we said, oh, can we have a to-go box or something? So they brought our food. And I mean, I wolfed this food down so fast. I'm surrounded. So we did that. We shoved the rest of it in the to-go box. We throw in the car. Now. I have, for the last 20 years, probably driven every inch of the state just because I speak and do stuff like that. And so, and I love that. I mean, I love getting all around the state of Mississippi. Uh, but one thing it does help you is I'm better than a Garmin when it comes to getting places. I mean, I know the shortest way. So I was sitting here tracking the bus, and I took like four real fast shortcuts. And I'm not going to tell, I didn't really speed because I really don't, I'm too cheap to pay the ticket. <laughs> but I mean, I knew I was beating the bus, and the bus took around. I caught that bus. Thirty-seven wow. minutes. I shaved thirty-seven minutes off that trip. So, and they're still reporting UFOs up in North Mississippi. <laughs> so that that was my excitement for the weekend. Yesterday, I didn't do squat. So relaxed. I did. Did you watch any football? Uh, you know, Sunday. I, you night. know, I watched a little bit. The kicker, the kicker for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I mean, great. Okay, yay, the Saints won. I mean, they're one and one now. Yay. Um, but no, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, a lot of people around here are in bad moods when the Saints lose. So I want you. They know, are and always, Cowboys. We have a lot of Cowboys. We have a lot of fans, well, especially Lord. since Dak went over there too. It just mm-hmm. got even even stronger. I mean, Dak played really well yesterday. I, I, but I watched I, the beginning of that game. But I felt so sorry for that kicker on the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I mean, here they they haven't won since my like my kids were born. You know, they I mean, literally, <laughs> Cleveland has lost forever and ever and ever. This was the big chance, and it was literally like. And he's sitting over there. And, you know, I mean, kickers are about as close to being hero or goat as any profession on the planet. And so next thing you know, he's sitting there crumpled, and the Saints kicker comes over there and gives him like a pat on the back. It was a great moment for sportsmanship, you know. I mean, we kind of live in this time right now where everybody's on everybody's throat Mm -hmm. about everything. Mm -hmm. So, man, I had people all weekend just chewing me up on social media. It was awesome. I love it when my cartoons make people mad. It makes Mm. me happy. Hey, also, too, I want to send out a quick prayer and thoughts to our our friends over in North Carolina and parts of South Carolina. 
Um, and we in Mississippi know a little bit about some of the some of the challenges that they face, but that flooding that they're dealing with, you know, when people say, well, it was only a Category 1 hurricane, it dumped 30 inches of rain. Right, that's and, a lot. And you can't, I mean, I went through a flood in Texas with 25 inches of rain. That water's not going anywhere but up. And, you know, I mean, you got whole towns that are just isolated right now. And, of mm-hmm. course, the... the you know, and of course, there's so much humanity going on. Of course, the images of people with their pets and, you know, rescuing, they rescued the beagles where some numbskull had left their dogs in a cage and they were about to drown. And of course, the beagles got rescued. So, but it's, it's tough to watch. Um, they, you know, the thing is, and this is the thing I think we all need to keep in mind, and we know that here in Mississippi, but, you know, the media is there right now. They got the lights, they got the cameras, they got the attention. But those lights and cameras are going to be turned off and they're going to be put back on a truck. And those people are going to those media folks are going to disappear. And all the people in North Carolina are going to be stuck having to rebuild their lives without any attention. So that's mm-hmm. what that's what I send my prayers to, because um, they're going to need help for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's really tough. Well, I tell you what, we got a great guest, so we might as well get her on the air. How's that sound? We do, we'll but do before we do that, we need to take a break. Of uh, well, course. before we do that, I want to talk about. We were talking about kickers, and of course, we didn't talk about this, but we want to give a shout out to uh, Kaylee Foster from Ocean Springs. Oh yeah, we talked about her last week. We yeah. did. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. just when we talked about kickers and how they don't, but being oh, she's the a homecoming, homecoming queen, exactly, and, and, and just absolutely won the game, exactly. You know, so and and someone, awesome. someone commented and said, "Would you let a guy become a homecoming queen?" <laughs> That's it. Good question. I just want to throw it out there. But, you know, nowadays, you know, they have to put both sides, especially when Dr. Buttress was talking about um, Serena Williams and her, uh, what she did on the match and talking. And and they do our women held to a different level uh, than men. Right. I mean, that's the thing. You know. I mean, smack her down, smack McEnroe down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, okay, bad behavior is bad behavior. Mm-hmm. That's fine. E- Treat it equally. But I don't think hers, to me, was bad behavior. She actually talked, I mean, she might have thrown a little bit. Yeah. It was, it was, I mean, she was angry, <laughs> passionate. Hey, that's uh-huh. great. You know, but I mean, the double standard is, you know, McEnroe did junk like that for years. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, that's hilarious. Look at him. He's, right. he's, and then she does it, and then people draw nasty cartoons about exactly, her and everything else, which exactly. I did not do, by the way. So. Very good. Uh, very yeah. good. You, should, you should draw a f- great cartoon about it to no, uplift her. <laughs> no, I'm not going to uplift her. She's got more money than I'll ever have, so oh, she's perfectly no. fine. I have no pity. Well, let's take a break on that one and no get back and talk to... about two great men of Mississippi. All right. No, we'll talk about Dawn. How about da- that? Okay, and Dawn she can talk and, about the... and two great men yeah, of Mississippi. Yeah, we'll do that. How's that sound? <laughs> we got, we got Dawn Dougal's coming up. This is Now You're Talking, only here on MPB Think Radio. stories that matter to Mississippians with five first place awards from the Associated Press, including breaking news, radio achievement, and public affairs reporting. Your source for a deeper look at today's top story is MPB News. Whether you're a thrifty shopper or someone who likes to buy the whole store, Change is the program that will allow your purchases to show your support for the quality content on MPB Radio. This easy and no-hassle program rounds up your credit or debit card purchases to the nearest dollar and sends us the difference. You support MPB and get something nice for yourself. To sign up for change, visit our website, mpbonline.org, and click support. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. And I'm Marshall Ramsey, and you're listening to some very soothing jazz. All right, today uh, we're going to be talking to somebody I've known for a long time. Got to work with her for a little while, too, so that was fun, and I'm glad she's on the air. We got author and storyteller Don Dougal. Um, Don, 
Welcome to the show. Thank you. And if anybody, oh, by the way, I forgot this very important detail. If anybody would like to call, you can always give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. I think the last time I saw you, we were giving a speech together. Not at the same moment, but we were on the same ticket. We were. That was cool. That was pretty cool. You enjoyed that, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did. That was a different kind of speech for me. So you, right. you're used to that sort of thing. This was uh, a little bit more personal for me and uh, sharing some stories from my past. And it was hard to get through because it was yeah, really isn't it t- tough. It's Putting really tough. Putting yeah. yourself out there because most of my career has been behind the scenes. So to get out and be out in front of that was uh, challenging. But I felt really good about it later when people came up to me and said, I had touched, you know, I touched their heart or, right. you know, and gave them a different perspective on something. So that's, that was my, that was my goal. And that's so, you know, when you, when you, people always say, oh, I'm so afraid of public speaking. And I think that's the thing people were afraid of it. They're going to put themselves out there and they're going to get stomped flat. Yeah. And, and, but you know, I, I've discovered and, and that night was particularly that way. The crowds usually are very kind and very sympathetic. Especially in Mississippi. Yes. We want. Yeah, just like you don't just start cussing. If you start cussing, you will lose a crowd pretty quickly. Yes, you will. Or if yeah. you talk bad about one of the colleges and their football team, that's just sort of a checklist thing. But, right. Um, I don't want to do either one of those, so okay. it works out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm Switzerland <laughs> when it comes to college football here. So believe me. Uh, but you know, you for many years, you you were in the like you said the background. You were in television news. Mm-hmm. You back. You were a producer for that. Um, and then you came to work at. The Coin Ledger, I worked with you there, mm-hmm. and you kind of did a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff there, yeah. too. And you had this really scary moment where you had to sit there and say, okay, I've got to reinvent myself. Yeah. That was scary. It is scary because, you you know, when you have a – my whole life I've had this sort of drive, this sort of thing beneath the surface that I've always wanted to really tell stories, tell good stories. Right. And for more than almost a quarter of a century, I've been – in the news and it was telling the worst of humanity is really what most time you get on local news. If it bleeds, it leads. If it bleeds, it leads. If they're, I mean, the affidavits and the court documents that I've read over my career, I mean, I would not wish that on anybody. I also did training with the FBI and their innocent images task force and seeing some of the stuff that they deal with and just got to a point where I kept thinking, you know, there's got to be a better way. And the only way that we are going to get better as a society and better as human beings is if we start focusing on the good things and, and, and highlighting those good stories. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to telling those stories. That's what I'm going to do. Wow. So I didn't know how I was going to do that, but (laughs) that was the start. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, the whole, like I said, if it bleeds, it leads the the fact that people drive past a car wreck and they look, Mm -hmm. I mean, and I put their phone down to look. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've discovered this on my social media, you know, you do something, you know, controversial or something angry, or you're, you're fussing about something that gets a lot of attention. Then you do something nice and people are like, click. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean that, but, but you you touched on something telling really good stories. Yes. So the, the way to get people's attention on that is to bring them in through your storytelling. Right. And the, and I think that's one of the things that, really is where I connect so much with Mississippi is that, you know, for years and years, people have been telling Mississippians, you know, you're the worst, you're the last, you're the poorest, you're the fattest and all this. And I'm like, you know, that when you hear that so often, when you keep getting that in one ear, you you start to believe it. Right. It gets into your subconscious. It gets in your subconscious. And you, you, I'm, I really feel that if we start highlighting the good things that are going on, yeah, we still got problems, but we've also got some amazing things going on in the state and and Jackson in particular, I think it's sometimes hard to hard to see those when you're driving through Pothole Alley or driving over the rocks on the street where they haven't fixed the the pavement yet, but there, you know, we've got amazing technology advancements, we've got some entrepreneurs that could have been anywhere else in the country, and they came here. We've got nonprofits doing amazing work. Our friend Paul Lacoste wants to get everybody in Mississippi right. fit. And, but, but, uh, I mean, we have road scholars that, from Mississippi yes, that are coming back. They come back. I yeah. came back. I came. I had lived here for two years, left, and came back because I just felt— You missed the humidity, didn't I you? I sure did. You did. It's, it's really good for your hair. It's great for your skin, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a reason people think I'm, I'm younger than I look. So, That's right. I'm, 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 I Wait, look you're younger, younger than, than I am. You look. Yeah, I'm younger than I look. Now, that didn't really look, come out real well. I meant that the other Dawn way. Dawn does 
not look like she's 50 or 5,900 years old or anything like that. I look look younger than I am. It's the humidity. It's preservatives. Exactly. We should tell more people that. Maybe they'd come down and live with us here. Well, that whole when you had to reinvent yourself, you became the, I like this, the CEO of Dougal Media. So I take it you know the owner pretty well. I know her pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's a great boss. She is? She is. She's tough. But it's hard. It's hard. It is hard because it's all on you. No, exactly. When you have... You know, a lot of people go to work nine to five. They have the structure. You know, you come in, you know mm-hmm. your job. You you don't have to worry about 9,000 other things. Right. You become CEO of U Media, which is what you did. Right. You suddenly have to do the accounting, the, yep. the publicity, the marketing. And, and once again, you know, you talk about that voice. And you oh, gotta, God, you, yeah. That's so hard because anytime, you know, anything ever negative happened to you, it's all stored up there. So you're sitting there trying to put yourself out there. Yes. And it's all, it's, yeah. it's a criticism all the time. And when I, what I, what really helped was when I started, I had a lot more time than money. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, well, until I get clients, until I get more customers <laughs> and build this base, yeah. what can I be doing to make myself more valuable or to, to ease some of that book? So I learned bookkeeping. I learned spreadsheets. That's smart. I learned, um, I took every free internet class I could find on WordPress and building websites and, um, or, you know, earned media and paid media and Google analytics. And I mean, you name it. I, I just sat there one day and thought, okay, what have I, what have I run up against that I think that it would be helpful if I learned more about, even if I don't make this my career, um, it'll help me when I hire people down the road to know what's going on. And so, um, I've been able to build several websites, basic websites. I'm not coding, hard coding anything, but, um, you know, enough that works for most people. And it's helped me in all kinds of corners of, you know, being able to understand what Google Analytics is and who comes to your website and who those people are and what they're looking for. I mean, that's that's a valuable skill that you can't, you really, you, you, I was glad I invested that time in myself. You know, you think about the last five years, how social media and how the Internet has changed and the fact with algorithms and so forth. If you're a content creator and you don't understand all the analytics and so forth, you're not going to get your stuff in front of eyeballs. Exactly. And that was the thing that really started the uh, this, the consulting business was yeah. that people really came to me originally for Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and they said, you're the social media guru and you know all this stuff. And what I found was most people, it wasn't that they needed help with Facebook, they needed help telling their story. Right. They didn't know what to say when they got to Facebook. And I, so that's really where that sort of like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to help people with that and discover why they do what they do and clarify their story so that, you know, we'll get you on the platforms. And I, I know enough to be <laughs> helpful on those, but I'm not going to dig down into the algorithm. I mean, there's, I am verified and certified on Facebook to the point where if I have a problem, they call me. Facebook will call me on the phone. Wow. And uh, that first time they called, I thought somebody was pranking me, but it wasn't. They had left me a voicemail saying, you know, you're probably screening your calls, but this is so-and-so from Facebook. I'm going to call back in 10 minutes. And I thought, yeah, right, you are. And so when they called back, sure enough, she that's exactly who it was. And um, that was because I had done so much work with Facebook. I had been the admin of so many platforms and stuff like that. So um, that's helpful. That's yes. really helpful. But again, there are people who are out there who are way smarter than me on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter who understand the algorithms. My whole thing is like it's just getting not, good content. If you don't tell a good story and have good content, it doesn't matter how much you know about the algorithm. Well, I think a lot of a lot of the mistakes people make is that they are reactive. Yes. And they don't plan out and then or they're you know, they, they get off a script and I don't right. mean that you should be totally scripted. I think you obviously need to be able to tell stories based around what's going on in the world because that's what people are interested in. But I mean, I've seen, you know, businesses suddenly just dive off into political stuff and stuff like that. And you're just like, oh, no, 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 right. don't do that. And uh, I love Dolly Parton. She, she had the comment. She, somebody asked her what she thought about something in the news. And she says, I'm not a politician. I'm an entertainer. And it doesn't matter what I think about that political thing. And I thought, Dolly does it again. Yes. Amen, Dolly. But then she turns around and she donates $5 million. $5 million to help the people after the wildfires in Gatlin. Wildfires. She puts her money where she mount her mouth is on the books and helping kids to read. I think it's 100 million books or something crazy like that. 
And so, you know, it's really remaining focused on what, why you do what you do. I mean, we can do, and you know this, if when you're out on your own, when you're sort of, it's, it is on you to do, to bring home the bacon, (laughs) you will often take on things that, you know, aren't really in, aren't, aren't mission central. They're not, they're not really your main focus, but you do it because you have to pay the bills. Because yeah, and, and you, there's a certain degree of desperation, and you're afraid degree, to say no. Exactly. But you, when you can say no to certain, when you get to a point where you can say no to this all right job because it leaves room for the better or the perfect uh, client or the perfect opportunity for you, that's where you really open doors. Right. And that's been, I think, what that that has been a really good lesson to learn as an entrepreneur myself. So. How long have you been doing it now? I, I, I kind of lost track. A little over three years. Okay. Yeah. So you start 2015. 2015. 2016, you created a pilot program on social media storytelling for the Center for the Application of Prevention Technologies. Boy, that's, that's, a, a, that's a quite a mouthful. business card. <laughs> a business card's about as long as my arm. Um, <laughs> that's part of the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration for the federal government. Talk about that a little bit. So the uh, SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health. Thank you. I'm glad SAMHSA. Let's call it SAMHSA. That's much better. They were, you know, it's really hard to get people excited about substance abuse prevention and mental health uh, education. And they needed something. They said, once again, they came to me and they said, we want you to teach us about Facebook. And I said, all right, well, what do you what do you need? What's getting in the way? And we had a little conversation. It turns out they needed help with their story. Yeah. And so I created a, for 12, the 12 Southeastern states in this, um, SAMHSA group, we did this pilot program where it was four webinars and it, I walked them through how to create the story, where to tell it, um, best practice, stuff like that. And they had some great successes. One of the, the best things was when we started, the state of Virginia wouldn't let their employees use Facebook. They blocked it. On all the internet, uh, all the internet uh, applications, and so after that first webinar, our people in Virginia went to the state and said, "Look, she's saying this is important. We got to be here. This is where our people are. This is where our demographic is." And the state of Virginia changed its policy based wow. on the training. So that was, you know, it's one of those things that somebody sent me just this little email, this little offshoot, and I thought, I, I, I did that. That's amazing. I'm super excited for them, but. And then you see the, you know, when they do a Facebook Live and they're doing a Q&A with a mom who lost her kid through um, OxyContin, you yeah. know, they, and that's a huge problem right now in the United States. And they they did this Q&A where people could ask questions and it was a real, it was like real talk on Facebook Live and yeah. they had maybe 200 likes on their page, but 50,000 people went to this, and it was still racking up uh, views months later. And so it's like, okay, we've hit the that that yeah. right there. That was great, and that came out of something that one of the gals said. Well, what if we did this? And I said, that sounds pretty good. You sh- you should do that. Right. And they didn't. It wasn't perfect. The video was a little weird, but you know, it's a little. Shaky. But it was real. I mean, that's but the it thing. was real talk, yeah. and it and it really hit home with people. And that's yeah. that's why I tell people like you, as long as you are telling an, a real story, if you're making a connection with somebody and it's it's relevant and it's engaging. Okay, you shot it with your your iPhone, or you know, right. you did with your laptop camera. You know, that's okay. People will give, they will forgive you for that. And I often will point to, you know, when the Gulf War, the first Gulf War started, and you saw the video, the the green night vision, and you couldn't see anything, and you could see the tracers. I mean, that was compelling video because you knew what it was, and people were telling the story with that. Yeah. So the video doesn't have to be great. The story does. The story so. does. And, you know, I've always heard content is, is king, but I think context is God. Oh, yeah. Because it's got to be at the right time. I've had cartoons that have gone super viral, but just because of when I published them. Right. You know, even even today with a harder algorithm, I, you know, I did one back on um, uh, Downton Abbey when they killed Matthew. And so I did the cartoon with the PBS guy saying, you know, hey, you know, <laughs> you, you I get, remember donate that. money. <laughs> And I mean, live within 24 hours. I mean, I was getting calls from the guy who wrote the show. So, I mean, it was just amazing how fast it went. But because if I'd have done it the next day, it wouldn't have gotten that kind right. of traffic. And a lot of so pla- a lot of places, too, will they'll say, well, we'll get to that or we'll get to that. And it's like, what's more important than have, you have an opportunity to get your message out right now? Right. What's more important than that right now? Well, I'll tell you what's more important right now is having a break. Having a break. That? Let's take a break. break. That'd be great. So we're going to take a quick one. And we'll come back talking a little bit with now author Don Dougal as well. And if you'd like to give us a call, you can, of course, 
Dial 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-6474. Or you know what? You can email me, marshall at mpbonline.org. Don't go far. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. is kind of like that hairstyle you had in high school. Really cool back in the day. But that old car is still cool when you donate it to MPB Think Radio. Go to mpbonline.org for details. Then sit back and enjoy the ride. Now that's cool. MPBOnline.org is the destination for everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past shows from Think Radio, check out MPB TV or Music Radio, and become a sustaining member all from one place. Get connected now at MPBOnline.org. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Quick correction because that's what we do here on the show. I apparently gave out a transposed number on the phone number, so if you called up the show and got a, um, well, if you got maybe, uh, I don't know, a dry cleaners or something like that, that was my, that was all on me. So anyway, the number is 877-672-7464, so you can give us a call anytime as well. We're, we're in the studio talking with... A uh, friend of mine, Don Dougal, who's, of course, author, storyteller, CEO of Dougal Media and creative director for TeleSouth Communications as well. Don, it's good to talk to you. And, and I'm, you know, I'm really proud of you because you've, you've taken a lot of risks, um, which obviously, you know, bringing home the bacon, eating thing is important. But uh, right. it's, it's not easy to put yourself out there. No. And, you know, Trustmark doesn't allow you to pay their bill in exposure. I know. I always love that. It's like, uh, you can, you know, I'll print your cartoon for exposure. We'll like, exposure. My kids don't need exposure. Really I don't. would die of exposure yes, if I that did. was the case. So, um, you know, it is one of those things where, um, you know, when and you know this, when you get, when you feel compelled to do something, when you feel, when you wake up one morning, and this is the thing with the book, I woke up one morning with this super clear vision of, I'm going to write a book. I usually just wake up saying, where's the restroom? Where's, well, after you know. that. Okay. <laughs> After that, I am thinking, you know, I could see, I could see my name on the book. I couldn't quite figure out what the book would be about, but yeah. I mean, it's after that, it's that I'm going to do that. I, I've wanted to do that my whole life. Yeah, you and I, I talked about it. It was like, you were thinking, oh, should I do a book? I was right. like, well, yeah, you should do a book. But it, I mean, everybody's like, well, that's so many words. It'll take forever. It's it like, doesn't. No. It really doesn't. How do you eat an elephant one bite one at a time? One bite at a time. Yeah. And uh, that was, you know, the the process of that was really the hardest thing is what are you going to write about? So how did you come about uh, writing about <laughs> Jeff and Dan? Well, I had interviewed, I had been doing some uh, videos for my business. So I'm really talking to business owners and different types of stories that they tell. And Jeff had done a video interview with me about customer service story, which yeah. I'm, I'm really, really, I wouldn't say on the war path about it. Right. I mean, it's so, so important. And I get really aggravated with businesses that don't understand that customer service is going to make or break your, your business. Right. And your customer service tells a story whether you like it or not. Right. So if your, re- your refund desk is filled with surly people, that's a story. And Jeff had talked to me about why, you know, his philosophy behind their customer service, which I think is fantastic at Bravo, Broad Street, and Salamukis. Which are are local restaurants in the Jackson area. Jackson area. Quite tasty food. um, He said, you know, the reason that they had such good customer service is because they empowered their employees. And he had this told me about how, you know, in, in some restaurants, if you have a problem, somebody has to go get a manager. Right. 
which is so embarrassing both for the diners and for the waiter because it's like I got to go get my dad, you know, or whatever. But at Bravo, for example, everybody from the dishwasher all the way up to the manager, everybody's empowered to make it right. Wow. It's very, very important to Jeff and Dan that they, that this is the this is how they run their business. And he's Jeff says, you know, this is the easier way. <laughs> Why would you make it harder on yourself? This is the easy way. And so it had been really kicking around in my head for a couple of months. And then I talked to Dan about it. And something that he said a couple of days later, it was just it clicked in me. I thought I had to, I had to tell their story yeah. because they've been in business Next year will be 25 years. Okay, and folks, if you don't understand that in the restaurant business, that is amazing because if <laughs> if you're open after two years, it's a miracle. It is a miracle, and and the fact is that 25 years ago, Jackson, Mississippi, was not ready for this crazy new cuisine that Dan Blumenthal had come up with. They didn't know what polenta was or right. why you would grill a portobello mushroom or you know what's risotto. And nobody, no bank would give them money because they were 29 years old, <laughs> which tickles me to this day. I'm thinking, hmm, two 29-year-olds. And so they crowdfunded it. They sold shares in the restaurant. And the way they did it was Jeff had people to his house twice a week for months yeah. having cocktail parties, letting people taste the food. And every time they would, they, and they'd hear the pitch from Jeff, the Uber salesman. Not a salesman for Uber, but a super salesman. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff's selling about every time he's awake. He's he's selling. I mean, people would. It's funny now to know Jeff. Jeff is when you have a meeting with him, he's trying to get him across the room. You know, get him to walk across the room takes twenty minutes because right. people are stopping him, much like they do with you, Marshall. <laughs> and uh, but twenty five years ago, he you know Amway salesmen and Jehovah's Witnesses were more popular than Jeff Good because he'd talk to anybody that would listen. Hey, I've got a restaurant. Have you heard about my restaurant? Because he was trying to get shares, and they finally got the nearly half million dollars it took to open the restaurant. And wow. so they opened. And that, back then that was even. That was a huge amount of money. Still a lot of money, mm-hmm. but then, wow. And they opened without having to incur any debt. So that, that also is, I mean, there was, there's just so many, so many amazing stories. Why that my came cousin out of that. Dave Ramsey would approve. He would very much approve. Yes. So it, so that telling that story and finding, you know, wanting to share that with the world, two of my favorite people. Yeah. And how they had this success and this yin and yang relationship. Because if you ever seen them in like in their relaxed setting, oh, they are truly the odd couple. It's so they funny. They are so funny. So I mean, it's like sometimes it's like living in a frat house. It's yeah. other times it's very you know buttoned up and businessy. But they really have fun too with each other, which is they've been best friends since high school. So it's 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 been a, it it was really eye-opening to hear what they went through to make that happen and the persistence that it takes the you know they worked first five years they opened that restaurant they were there they worked every day well it sounds like the book is not only a history of a restaurant chain but it's also a great business textbook for anybody that's interested in going yes. into business what does it take what what are you going to have to put on the line and a lot of people will ask jeff or dan to give them advice if yeah. they have a restaurant and for a while they actually had a restaurant consulting business but people would often only come to them when they were on the brink of failure oh yeah and so it was too late for that and there are people now that Jeff will meet with and he'll say you know please don't do this you you just aren't ready you, or you haven't yeah. thought it out Dan and Jeff had they created a business plan that was about 135 pages long wow and it listed out everything from the marketing plan to the cost of forks. I mean, yeah. it was, and everything they were going to do to pay back investors within five years. And not only have they done everything in that business plan to today, they paid back their investors within three and a half years. That's all. I mean, yeah. it was very, I mean, this was, this is how they roll. And it was, I mean, that's just an amazing story. Right one, one thing I've always been impressed with uh, about Jeff and, you know, I mean, Jeff and I, <laughs> We've known each other for a long time. He's been on the show. And Jetley, you're right. He's always selling something. Always selling he's, something. He's, he's, but I tell you what, he, he's smart. And he's a very, very smart businessman because he sells his community because he realizes that it is good business to build up your community. It is. And he is a huge cheerleader for Jackson and, mm-hmm. and the Jackson metro area. Um, walks the walk, talks the I'm about talk. to say, it's more than just talk. Yeah, I mean, he's, you, I, yeah. And I think that you know there are people who may not care for him. And it's because... They don't really know him. They haven't seen him in his natural habitat, I guess. But, you know, he lives in Jackson. It's not like he owns this restaurant and talks about it. And he invests in Jackson. And he invests in Jackson. You know, they both do, both yeah. him and Dan. 
and uh, their families. So, I mean, that's that's really important when you're looking at, you know, business leaders and community leaders. You want somebody that is going to be there all the way into their bones, into their DNA. Right. Somebody who believes in what's going on, and and I think that's another thing that that's another thing that Jeff and I have in common is that this idea that Jackson is an amazing place. Yes, we have problems, but let's 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 fix those problems right. and celebrate what's going right. So, um it's a hard it's hard to do sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. And, you, you get hit with the frying pan, you're you get, like, "Okay." It's like, "Why why you why are you trying to hate me? We hate on me, Jackson, but most of the time it's um, you know, the people who are who are here who are trying to make a difference. Those that's what keeps you going. But I mean, yeah, like you said, it's it's good business for Jeff to do that though, and it's it is, it is you know, it's strong. When you're doing this, I mean, I can you just I mean, that must have been fun just sitting down and picking their brains and having the interviews. I mean, how long did how many hours did that that process take? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, not just them, but I interviewed their families and some really uh, long time oh, employees. What does girls too. say about Jeff? I bet you they're I like, did not oh, interview the a, girls. Okay. I did, they he were was oppressive as a father. <laughs> but De- I did interview Debbie. I interviewed yeah. his wife and uh, um, she was very everybody was very forthcoming. Yeah. Uh, when I pitched Jeff and Dan, the, the idea of the book, they. I, I did it and said, okay, if I get all access yeah. and leave nothing on the, you know, leave nothing out, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And they agreed. I hear to what that. you did that, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the so bad. So who are you ugly. saying is ugly? Though? No, you're not saying Dan's ugly. I'm right? not saying Dan's ugly. Okay. No, okay. no. Some of the. Jeff's I mean, good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. They, hi, I see what you did there. Yeah, see, I'm smart. On a Monday, <laughs> the, too. Uh, it's pretty good for a Monday. Yeah, very yeah. good. Um, but they, they were very forthcoming, and it took about five months for all the interviews. Yeah. You know, I'm also working a full-time job oh, at the yeah. time. Oh, yeah, in your spare time. All my spare time was um, not just interviews. So what did you write? Did you write in the morning or did you write in the I, afternoon? wrote whenever I could. I, I actually did five months of interviews and then the month of April yeah. I wrote every free moment. That's it took me a month to put it all together. Oh, and, wow. and I had already, you know, after you do an interview all the interviews, you have an idea of where the book is going. And that's hours and hours of interviews that have been I transcribed. I had them all I mean, I recorded them for the record. Is it a sequential, like from the beginning to today? Uh, in some ways, yes. Yeah. And then in other ways, um, you know, the very last chapter is called The Bravo Way, and it talks about really what the essence of the, the business is and right. why and why why you would, what you can take away from that and where it goes from here. Because, you know, at some point they're going to want to retire. So I know. what the hell are they going to do then? Yeah. You know, so. Uh, and, and I tell you, you know, that's, that's interesting because I know in – my cousin's empire that he has, he's, of course, his daughter is a big part of it now and his sons and his other daughter are doing it too. But I mean, he's literally, he sat down with one of my other cousins who owns a car dealership. Who's been in our family since 19, I don't know, 16, 19, 19. But basically he said, look, I need a way to have a secession plan. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of businesses don't think about that. They don't. And the, the other thing that I thought was interesting about, um, the the business with Jeff and Dan and, and David actually David Blumenthal was yeah. one of the original partners in that as well. They have a partnership agreement that allow that that you know covers everything from what if somebody dies. Oh yeah. What if uh, Jeff or Dan wants to fire the other one? <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Which so, I'm sure. So they do a Hamilton Burr kind of Mostly. duel. They go across the yep, Pearl River. They, they, they go across the Pearl Mostly. River and do a duel in Rankin County. That's good. Mostly it's Dan wanting to, you know, you know, get Jeff in headlock, but the uh, and you know, and Jeff getting frustrated or whatever. But the, uh, you know, when it came time for David wanted to be, he didn't want to be a partner anymore. Yeah, they had a plan for that, okay. and so and they have insurance on it too. It's. I did you know that I didn't know they no. could do that sort of thing, but I would. That was page one twenty four. Page the business plan. page makes it makes sense yeah. because you know you you don't create this you don't put all this blood sweat and varicose veins into it, and then go okay I guess we'll just leave it up to fate or mother nature. It's right. you you've got to have a plan for that too, and so the interviews were they were they were really really interesting and hilarious. Leslie McCarty, who is the sommelier at Bravo, she actually owns her own wine business, but still does sommelier stuff for Bravo. She had me laughing. I, even now, like I think of some of the stories and laughing. Um, John Pixler is a longtime chef. He's the uh, he's the corporate chef now for the company where he goes to all the different restaurants. And he was telling about he had, he was illustrating Dan's 
let's just say his anal retentive cleanliness. It's there's really no. Yeah, way they to really break down those kitchens every single night. They break down the kitchen every night, and they and when John was first working at Bravo, when they just had the one restaurant, they asked the people in the kitchen. Were like, I wonder how long it would take Dan to notice like something was amiss, and so they took a piece of pepperoni and put it behind the kitchen clock, mm-hmm. and they had bets on how long it would take Dan to notice. Guess how long? A day. An hour. An hour. And they did this multiple times, and it was always within the hour because Dan is constantly cleaning. I, you can't, you can't walk through the kitchen with Dan. Like Dan's trying to give me a tour of the kitchen and show me where everything is and let me have a sense of what's going on. And he stops every five minutes to wipe a counter, to straighten a box, or to break something down. Yeah. Or and and it's just the funniest thing ever. And I'm like, yeah, that's going in the book. <laughs> that's great well. Stuff. I mean, I'm kind of relieved. I'm not a big fan of roach poo. No, so, you know, it's like, he uh, and they change. Filters yeah. everywhere. I mean, it's just that when you find out, like, and you go into that kitchen, you see how clean it is. And they're all like that. All their kitchens are like that. When you see that, you're thinking, I loved this restaurant before, but now I know it's super, super clean. They do they do a full breakdown, top to bottom clean every night. That's impressive. Yeah. I, I know. And, I, and, of course, I love following Jeff on social media, and he's very entertaining, of course. And uh, one of the things I've always felt bad, because when, when the city's had all of its water issues. Oh, God, It's yeah. like and one of his restaurants is, of course, Broad Street's probably on one of the highest spots highest in Highest spots. First so, to lose the water. First to yep. lose the water, and it seems like. But, you know, he keeps hanging in there. Yeah, they, they, managed, to, they managed to survive that. I mean, they survived Yazoo Clay underneath the North Dining Room in that restaurant. Yeah. Where they had to, um, they took out a window. They, the construction crew, hand excavated underneath the restaurant as it was still open, because they were they had they basically condensed everything over to one side, and they managed to survive that. Yeah. And they, with with you know about I think it was like a twenty percent loss that year on sales, but that could have killed most other restaurants. Most it would have killed most yeah. other restaurants. And then the uh, the when they closed down Bravo to fix the expansion joint because the kitchen was moving to Byram while <laughs> the restaurant was the rest of it was staying with Highland Village, uh, you know there there were people that there were naysayers that thought that's not gonna they're not gonna survive this they, there's no way they're gonna be back up and running in 30 days and by God they were. 30 days to the day they had their certificate to, of occupancy. And they, and they may, turned it into a party. That was what sure so they were very smart about that. Yes. Jeff is an, uh, he's the ultimate marketer and he will, he has these amazing ideas about how to make it work. I mean, the auction, they did something very similar to that when they got the space. It was the Sundancer originally in Highland Village mm-hmm. and had the, previous owners had left behind all this stuff and you're thinking well what are we going to do with all the antler heads and all the you know the brass bar and and all of this wood paneling and this these the front doors even and they held an auction they did this auction where they auctioned off everything that wasn't nailed down and a few things that were mm-hmm. and made money for the opening of the restaurant um, one guy came in and basically said i'm going to take all the woodwork all the um we call it a, along the floor and crown molding and stuff oh, yeah. like that, that they were going to have to get rid of the anyway. baseboards. The baseboards. Thank yeah. you. They were going to take all that out and, but you don't have to pay me to remove it and I'm not going to pay you for them. I'm just going to take them. And he came in with his demo crew, took everything wow. out, saved them like thousands of dollars of having to demo that themselves. <laughs> have at it. <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. Uh, they sold vacuum cleaners, they sold sinks. And yeah. so, you know, that was 25 years ago and they, um, and Jeff did, that was the, the night they did this, they, they called it the exorcism, then they did an exorcism on the Sundancer place and they did a blessing. Oh, that's funny. And Jeff had, it. he still has all this stuff. He yeah. has it all written out. He's He's got this closet it's full probably of, about to say, he's got a closet. That, he's got a hoarder's closet yeah, full Jimmy of Hoff stuff. Yeah, Jimmy Hoffa's in there. Yes. And Amelia Earhart. Yeah, and, all, all the people, yes, yes, all of that, yes. And he's got all the scripts, all the invitations, all that stuff, and um, which made writing the book easy because you had all the right. all the historic stuff there and uh but he did they did that blessing and i said you know what there were some you know failed attempts at the sundancer place and then this came along and i think i really do believe that that blessing made a difference and they did they did something similar to that down at the uh the uh salamukis that opened in biloxi mm-hmm. there was a big blessing and a big uh like a team cheer before yeah. they opened for the first time and that's been doing amazing too and that's not theirs they licensed that uh, concept down there but 
I'm sorry, not just down there in Biloxi. Yeah. For those who are in Biloxi, you are already there. Um, but it's it's one of those things where it's it's not usual. It's not typical. It's not something you hear in the business books that are all buttoned up in the briefcases and the three-piece suits. And, and I think that that's been one of the keys to their success is this sort of, you know, unconventional wisdom of how they're going to do it. And I will tell you there's a uh, really great story in the book about a well-known winery who tried to strong-arm them into carrying their wines. And it did not go over very well. Jeff basically threw them out of the restaurant before it opened, and they have not carried this wine ever since. Oh, wow. Yeah, great story. Um, I'm not going to give it away. you gotta, you got to get the book. <laughs> well, speaking of, of course, the book is The Bravo Way, Building a Southern Restaurant Dynasty. It's by Don Dougal, who is, of course, wears many hats, but now hats. author is one of them. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. When is the book coming out? The book is officially released on November 1st. Okay. And pre-orders are now on at Amazon.com and Lemuria. At Lemuria mm-hmm. as well. Very yeah. good. Yeah. And I'm sure there will be a point when you can probably walk into one of the restaurants and buy one of the books too, right? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I we'll think see. that they need to pull that one off, I think. We'll see. We'll see. We're going to have a big launch party at Bravo, and there's going to be a um, there's going to be a public celebration on November 17th yeah. in Highland Village. So, um, And they've been really helpful and great with that as well. Well, so. it sounds like to me that this turned out to be as much of an education for you as a book project. It did. It did. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, anybody who has a small business, it's it's good to be able to talk to somebody like Jeff and Dan. It is. And, and one of the great things that Dan said, and it's a real... It's just a real small part of the book, but we actually had a long conversation, the three of us did, Jeff, Dan, and I. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how you're never going to have another time to do this. Right. So when you're setting up your business, making sure you set up things like your files and your employment record, you know, getting all your systems in place before you open the front door. Because once you open the business, you're, you're not going to have time to do it. Have time to do it. And it was a real, it was a good lesson for Jeff to learn when they were opening the restaurant, things like, where do the napkins go? Where do we put the yeah. server station? How do we, you know, what are the, the, the checkbooks look like? And so that's been a real interesting um, conversation with them. And, and also Dan had said that in his schedule, he, he and Jeff have two different different ideas of what scheduling is like yeah. personal scheduling yeah. jeff will try to do as many things as he can in one you know and, and just one more thing i could just do one more thing dan actually puts time in his schedule for the the unknown yeah so once he said that i thought yeah that makes a lot of sense i'm gonna start putting a block of time in my day because you just never know what's going to happen and sure enough you know what? I managed to get out the door at t- on time nowadays because of that, because right. I, I have that sort of wrap it up time at the end of my day. And That's brilliant. It's been really good. And, and Dan will talk about discounts and how he doesn't like to discount his work. And so I thought, yeah, I'm going to. I like that too. And that's a tough thing. And I think, uh, you know, and I've I've been really proud of you for being able to do this. It's very hard to price yourself. It is. It is. Because you tend to shoot too low. You shoot too low. And what I have found is that people value what they pay for. Right. So, you know, I, I don't mind going and speaking at, you know, a rotary or a chamber, you know, it's a quick 15 minute speech, but anything more intricate than that, where I'm actually helping you craft a, plan yeah. that's that you're going to invest in that because it's an investment in your business don thanks for coming in the thank book you. is available on amazon and lemuria and lemuria well. yes. very good all right I want to thank you for joining us today of course author don dougal and for sharing her stories of mississippi as well and if you've missed any of today's program and just want to hear more episodes we'd love you to listen you can log on to our website at mpbonline.org Now You're Talking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is produced by the incredible, amazing, and wonderful Michelle McAdoo, who starts her internship today. Good luck. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy and join us next week for more Now You're Talking only on MPB Think Radio.